This week's episode is brought to you by the Talkbuster podcast. Every episode, Chris Chipman and a guest reminisce of their time working for Blockbuster. Now, even if you've never worked for a Blockbuster, I guarantee you'll find the stories both hilarious and relatable. One of my personal favorite stories was when he had a guest retelling his time of working at a porn shop the day before Christmas when they were just packed to the gills. So, listen to the Talkbuster podcast on all your favorite platforms today. And welcome to Geeks with Shields, your home for the Darkest Timeline. I'm Lord Commander Ulrich, and with me as always is... His shield brother, Axel Wright. Hi, hanging in there? I am okay. There was apparently an earthquake yesterday. I didn't know about it, so... <laughs> yeah, which is crazy, because it's literally, like, right outside town for you. Yeah, I've actually had friends who were in the town telling me that, you know, their walls were shaking. And I, I think I was driving at the time, so I guess there just wasn't anything for me to have context that, for moving, you know? That would be a uh, pants-shitting experience. You're driving along, and all of a sudden your car starts to shake. Except it didn't, so I don't know what to tell I know. you. <laughs> oh, I was just saying, you know, you might have ended up lucky, because my first thought was, oh, no, the car's going to die. Not, Oh, no, there's an earthquake. How are you? Pretty good. Getting real tired of seeing, I didn't think it was going to be this bad. I thought it was just the flu online. Like, yeah, not to delve too much into the real world, but I'm getting real tired of that one. Well, why don't we move right into our patron sound off and get to happier things. Uh, now, if you'd like to join that illustrious legion, get your name read out on the show, just head on order. Patreon.com forward slash Geeks with Shields. For 25 cents an episode, you get access to all sorts of great bonus content, and you make sure we can keep bringing you top quality content just like this. Speaking of... We have a guest with us today. Care to introduce yourself? Uh, yeah, I care to introduce myself. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, I'm Dan. Uh, some of you might know me as the Lonely Havoc on the social medias, and I do a little podcast called The Havoc Cast. And I have the hiccups. <laughs> and, uh, and, and Dan is here today to just do something we've done a, a few times with other guests. It's Pillars of Geekdom. Now, anyone listening probably heard us say this thing before but for you dan just in case there's this concept that uh, we came up with a long time ago before we started a podcast called uh we're basically the metaphor for your fandom your geekdom your things you're into is a house to start off talking about foundational fandom things that you got into when you were really young that are basically the foundation for all things you got into when you're older pillars are more like the things that currently hold your house up. So a pillar of geekdom then is a geekdom or fandom around which your the rest of your fandom is situated, essentially, at least some of, a big portion of it. Yeah, Does that make sense? sense? Yeah, sure, sure, I get it. All right, and uh, before recording, obviously, we had Dan tell us what geekdom he thought would fit this kind of bill. And uh, you, since it's your uh, your pillar, why don't you introduce us into it? I mean, um, I'm usually talking about Warhammer when I come on here and just uh, gaming in general, like uh, tabletop gaming, Warhammer especially, because it's, it's been my hobby ever since I was like 10 years old, something like that. So 30 years, 31 years. Warhammer or 40K? I don't remember. <laughs> uh, both, basically. Both. Just, the, just the Warhammer universe. I mean, I, I very much approve of that. So <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's a good catch-all term. So the, we're going to start with the, the entirety, other... the entirety of Warhammer. <laughs> All of it. And this Even is a fun one. question. <laughs> Everything. Because the first question is, just give us a brief explanation of what 40K Warhammer is. 
So at its core, it's a game and sort of a, a universe in which many games are created by the game games workshop company and i have to apologize i got the hiccups as soon as we started talking <laughs> ah sorry i won't hold it against you <laughs> so if you hear me go ah that's that's why uh i'm trying to like control it here but um games workshop basically created this uh intellectual property the warhammer universe which is pretty much everything dies everybody uh is at war with with each other and everything is really just awful and the gaming part of it, uh, of it in particular is where i began the tabletop tabletop game of warhammer 40,000. I mean, I feel like you touched on it already, but yeah. our next question we usually ask is how you got into it. So since you kind of went over a, a general, do you have more of a specific? You mentioned Space Hulk, so Yeah. So whenever I uh when I was growing up, my dad was also a gamer, like super into like historicals, um World War II, he did like Civil War, all that kind of stuff. And uh, a lot of that, you know, whenever you're like nine or ten, isn't particularly interesting. And then his gaming group, just, they would get into different games. And I feel like like every two weeks or so, they would get into like a new game, like all together. And so one day he starts playing this fantasy game. And I'm like, oh, that's gosh, excuse me. He's like he starts playing this fantasy game. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of interesting because the models for it looked really cool. And they were really different from the historical ones because there was like these crazy orcs and crazy dwarves. And my dad collected dwarves, of course. And I was like, oh, that's kind of neat. You know, I don't mind the fantasy stuff. And then, like, a couple of weeks later, he brings home, brings home this, oh, my gosh, now my cats bother me. He brings home this, <laughs> like, um, like armored, like, like soldier, like this, this what, he called, what he called a space marine. And uh, I thought that was the coolest fucking thing I'd ever seen. I was like, what is that? That is so awesome. Awesome. He's like, yeah, the guys were playing this new game called Warhammer 40,000 rogue trader and i was like oh well oh man first yeah literally and i was like well what's that all about and he's like oh i'm gonna go buy the rule book and you can check it out so i bought he bought the rule book and uh i read that rule book so many times just front to back and just the the whole like the concept of it and the aesthetic of it back then back then was much more raw and just sort of like they hadn't defined a lot of the things that that sort of make up the universe and it was just like kind of like the old west like you could do kind of anything in that setting and it still i mean it definitely had like the whole grim dark thing the thing uh, from the core from the start but just like there was so much more like possibility in it than there is now if that weirdness absolutely weird well yeah. i would, I, I, I would say weird. first of all as a side note i love the fact that every time i've tried to explain uh, Warhammer 40k to someone I'm like okay I know you probably have an idea of what I mean by space marine trust me it is not what I'm saying yeah <laughs> there's so much to... more to it yeah yeah but I do think it's funny that I, I was reading something I think just today even of talking about 40k that talked about how one of the things that's really interesting about it as a as a general is that it's got like aesthetically a lot of the the big craziness of the ageiness of the 90s and like the depth of the 2Ks is in regards to like how stories of these kinds were done and because of this really you know this property that's been around for so long it kind of gets to wrap all these different aesthetics and tones and styles together so like you talking about what it was like early on and I mean I, I'm relatively new to 40K comparatively yeah. but I get the feeling that like that still exists it's just that now it's part of a larger package does that make sense well i really think like games workshop in general sort of streamline the game in essence to make it maybe more open open to a larger audience if that makes sense i mean for a, for a very niche hobby to try to open it up to a larger audience means sort of like glossing over some of the details and like making things a little more attract attractive and, and a little a little more refined 
So in the beginning, like you would see something like, uh, say, like a vehicle, the vehicle called the Land Raider. In the beginning, that was the only vehicle kit that was available. So every army had access to this same vehicle. So you would see something like the Eldar, which are sort of like elves in space. And they're kind of like elegant and their weapons are also elegant and very smooth and, and round lines. But also they could ride around in Land Raiders. Right. And that just like didn't make any sense. But as it went on, they're like, okay, well, let's define these different factions within the game a little more clearly, give them their own aesthetic, give them their own look. So that way people people find something that they can sort of like grab onto, like something that really grabs them about the overall look of, of a single army in that universe. So before it was like anybody could use anything. You could make a, 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 a speeder out of a fucking underarm deodorant container. Like you could do all kind of random <laughs> stuff. And like it was just it was wild, man. It's like, there was no there was nothing stopping you from doing anything. And then as the game became more refined, a lot more rules came into place and a lot more people played it. So there was more of an expectation of of what you brought to the table, if that makes sense. It is funny that like, the way you're describing it, it almost sounds like it's saying a series refined itself by expanding on what it has and restricting what you can do. It's like... <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, you're not wrong. I mean, Rogue Trader... Go back and look at some of the art for that, the first one. Nuts. Or some of the lore. <laughs> it is bug nuts. Well, I do I do try to imagine, like, I, I, I've only seen a tabletop uh, ver- version of the game, like, once or twice. But I'm trying to imagine, it, it, to me, the idea of someone showing up with Space Marine Imperial Guard vehicles with their Eldar army is really weird for yeah. me to, like, try to wrap my head around. <laughs> Those right, original right. landers are ugly as sin. Yeah. I'm sorry. They're super ugly, but so ugly they're amazing. Like, <laughs> I guess. But not like in, like, that early edition, the Space Marines were just, like, space cops, if I remember correctly. You know, they, they've had so many different, like, like, even the story of the Space Marines wasn't fully defined then. No. Like they had like if you looked in the rule book and it sounds like you have like they had sort of like renegade space marines that were basically like thugs for hire kind of thing. There wasn't really a notion of like chaos space marines quite yet. You know, I was uh, about a year ago. I was looking into starting a uh, a tabletop role play game mm-hmm. uh, for yeah, Warhammer. Yeah. I, I'd seen a couple of them. A Rogue Trader. I think there was a version of that that called that specifically. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so I, you know, I got a bunch of friends. We do like D and D and Shadowrun and uh, Eclipse Vase and stuff like that. So I was like, I want to do a Warhammer one. And I was trying to think because again, I'm I'm relatively new. So I'm like, what what kind of story do you need to put a space marine and an orc in the same mercenary band? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if we're going, you know, completely to the canon of the story, never that would never happen. The space yeah, marine would is... kill the orc like as soon as he saw him. <laughs> That's why I'm saying it's like if I'm the dungeon master, I can make my world how I want to make it. So <laughs> sure, sure. You, you would just be making so many people like just super upset. Just like what? <laughs> that that wouldn't work together. That a well, portion my of audience is there. This you know started foaming at the mouth when they heard oh, yeah, and space marine not yeah. killing each other. My yeah, only right. point to bring that up was that 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 seemed to me like that's a kind of pocket of of what you're talking about that can still exist today. But that was just me. I don't know if that's a common thing at all. Probably not. But I was just thinking, because like, I'm one of those people that whatever my players want to play, I'm going to let them play. And it's like, sure. okay, it doesn't make sense for a space marine and, and an orc to be together that I'm going to, I don't know, make some story where this orc is a free Buddha mercenary who was hired by the same people who like said, all right, space marine, just you're going on this mission. Ignore the orc for now. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. Yeah. 
Is it weird? I'm already starting to like try and figure out the way you could make that work. Like, well, if it was a renegade to, chapter, trying to piece it together. Yeah, yeah. If it yeah. was a renegade chapter, okay, maybe you know. Uh, no, yeah. trying to twist it and warp it. There's a way to do it, <laughs> which is the beauty of 40k. You can do just about anything. You just gotta be, you gotta have the patience and the uh, creativity to make it work. Well, I think that kind of lends itself to, and this is a very broad question, and if we spend the rest of the time basically talk about this, I think that'd actually be appropriate, which <laughs> is, why do you say, why do you love this thing, that this pillar of yours? You know, I've always liked games. And like my family, we always played games and, you know, like just like simple stuff, like growing up, like checkers and chess and like, you know, the game of life and then Monopoly and then, you know, Risk Risk and Shogun and all those kind of like, you know, it's, I scaled up as I went on and got older and started understanding like the mechanics of rules and things. And just like my father, like just being, you know, I mean, I'm, I love my dad, obviously, and I'm very like he was always a huge inspiration to me and in, in, in like my my personal life, my professional life, everything that I've done. So I always kind of like just did the things that he did. Like I always tried to do the things that he was doing because I wanted to be like in, in that part, part of his life. Cause my dad was very like, he kept, he was very kept to himself a lot. He was very, uh, not quiet, but stern. Like, you know, you don't really children, you don't talk to children that much kind of thing. If that makes sense. Like he, no, you know, he's I, from, I, the, I know it's a different generation. Yeah. He's from the old school, man. Super old school. I always so, think, I always think of the dad from, I think of the dad from a Christmas story, how like he obviously loves his kid, but he's also like the old man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And it's and it's very similar. But you, you replace that with like my dad was in the army for 30 years. He was an army ranger. He was super hardcore. And, you know, when he would come home from work, he was just exhausted because he'd been there at three in the morning doing P PT and stuff. And there wasn't a lot of time to like interact with with me and, and my sister. So if I could find a way to interact interact with my dad, I would find it, you know? And so I love games anyway, so I was like, well, I'm going to play this game. So I started painting all his models, right? Can I can I quickly ask you, because yeah. he's, a, he's a military man mm -hmm. who, by your admission, was really into uh, war games, it mm -hmm. sounded like. So yeah, I was yeah. like, did, did he bring any particular kind of... I just, that's really fascinating, but did he bring any particular kind of insight to them from being an actual military man? Um, you know, there's... I don't, I don't think a lot of the and futuristic games really lend themselves to application of like military tactics and yeah strategies. but you said he was also playing like world war ii war right games and, earlier yeah stuff, and that so. was the other you know the next part of my comment was that though but understanding a lot of like the strategies and things within like the world war ii st two stuff the civil war stuff uh he played like um like zulu war like the british and zulu war stuff a lot of the times and i remember him explaining to me like the different strategies that they would employ and like oh, how the awesome. different formations and stuff would move. And um so I always I always thought that was really interesting. And I and I try to think about that a lot too when I play. I was also in the military for twenty one years. So we we both kind of have that mind where we can draw on the experiences of, of what we've learned being in the military and just being students of military history and like what worked and what definitely didn't work. <laughs> but like whenever you take into account something that can, you know, like phase through walls or something that can like dis disappear from one side of the board and end up on the other side of the board, you know, it was never really, uh, we don't have any experience to draw on <laughs> with that kind of thing, you know, well, happening it's, it's, in real life. It's like, hey, you got to adapt. That technology might exist one day. <laughs> right, exactly. So, I mean, he definitely, once he saw that I was interested in these kind of games, of the strategies that were involved we i definitely recall having a lot of conversation conversations with him about 
how this army did their thing, why they used this particular weapon, what was so significant about this type of air, aircraft, you know, all these kind of things that, you know, most, most normal people don't really consider. But, you know, maybe it does translate to whenever you're playing the game because I'm sitting thinking, okay, I've got this range, I can move this far, I have this many shots, it's this strength versus this toughness of the weapon, so I would need to apply this sort of force to this part of the board to be able to, like, sort of reach this objective. So, you know, it always kind of ties in together. It, I think you don't have to have to have that military background and experience, but I think that mindset helps. All right, you, you might have mentioned that, so so he brought home Warhammer, right? Yeah, which, yeah, yeah. You, which you thought was like, uh, okay, but fancy. Then he brought home Warhammer 40K. Oh, man. Blew my got, mind. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, do you remember? Um, I'm guessing because my understanding is that Ultramarines, or at least the blue Space Marines, and maybe mm-hmm. they uh, have always been like the golden child. So what, did that happen to be the, the specific type? Is that Was that your first army then? <laughs> No, not at all. Um, so my first, so he had Rogue Trader, and in Rogue Trader there is a the middle of the book. If you've seen it, there is this like kind of a centerfold, centerfold, I guess you would call it. It's like a two-page artwork yeah. of like about a dozen um, different Space Marine uh, faction, like the the heraldry and like color color schemes of like about a dozen Space Marine factions, and it's like the the standard ones, like the Blood Angels are there. Uh, I think Ultramarines is there, Crimson Fist. Crimson Fist is there, like, and you know, there's like I said, about ten or twelve of them, and there was some on there that like don't really even exist anymore, like Flesh Terrors, Flesh, Flesh Terrors is on there. Still. They're Rainbow still there, Warriors. but they don't get the love. And, and there's true. like the, the Rainbow exist. Warriors, the Rainbow Warriors is there, and they don't really typically. They're kind I don't of. Think they exist anymore. No, no, and it um, like a joke. So that really grabbed me that like each army like had its own look and its own feel, and then like the book went on to say. You can create your own faction. Faction. You can create your own chapter of Space Marines with their own look and their own oh. distinctive color and their own whatever. And that was what really grabbed my imagination because I was like, "Oh, I don't have to do it exactly the way the book says. I can make up my own thing, and that's totally legit." Yeah. And you said you were going to start. You started painting his miniatures. So did you create your own heraldry and colors then? Um. No. So he was playing a faction called Squats. Which was oh, basically dwarves and dwarves and metal biker dwarves. Yeah, 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 definitely. Like, if you want to talk about a faction that doesn't exist anymore, then Squats is like the the first thing people are going to say. I've never even heard but, of them. Um, <laughs> yeah, he. Uh, they don't make him anymore. They survived up to about third edition, maybe. That sounds right. I think it was like third yeah. or fourth. They dis- yeah. disappeared. They just stopped making them. They're just like, nah, it's not a thing anymore. And I don't even think they retconned or anything. They're just like, no, they're gone. That's no, whatever. <laughs> They have like, I don't know. There's a bunch of weird places. Now they're popping up in Necromunda. I will say, yeah, I have one. heard because um, you know, like in the in the recent codexes, they're bringing back some. I don't know what the species is called, but some species that used to be like slaves of the Tyranids, which doesn't make any sense based on what I know about what Tyranids are. Zotes but, are back. Yeah, zotes. zotes. But so when I was watching, uh, I was watching Luton's video on that, and he made a comment about like this is one of those references that can be like everything that's ever happened in the codexes is, is canon. Basically, depending on how you interpret it. So, mm-hmm. so squats, you know, still there, depending on how you read into it. <laughs> sure. And, you know, what's funny is he so, you know, I did paint a lot of his stuff because he wasn't very good at it. And I, I mean, I just spent so much time painting and painting and painting. And like he would go play with his like buddies and stuff. 
and I would never, I would kind of try to play with my buddies, like try to get my friends into it. And of course, none of them really <laughs> got it. You know, they're like, what the, what is this shit? But like, that was a source of like, you know, interact, interaction between me and my father. And he like got to be like really proud of like my painting skill. And he would tell all his buddies, Hey, my son painted this. And like, that was just, that meant the world That's to really me. Cool. So, so like my, my entry into it was, Oh, that looks amazing. But also I can hang out with my dad and my dad's telling people that he's proud of me. And like, you know, I, I get to impress him with my skills. So that's really what made about me how old were you at this so point? Hard. Uh, 11, 12. Yeah. yeah. Sounds like right. Yeah, because I think Rogue Trader came came out in like eighty eight or eighty nine, so yeah, actually eighty eight it would have been ten, so eighty nine would have been eleven. Yeah. So have you like have you stuck with it through all the various editions? Because I know some people drop off and like life comes in like no, nah, I'm out. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I have played it in some form or another since Rogue Trader, but of course, like you know, late high school and in early like my military career I didn't play a lot because I'd gotten married and I had a little baby and you know there just wasn't a lot of time to do it and there just wasn't you know I didn't have the money to do it you know you don't get paid a lot when you're when you're uh, E3 in the military so something had to give Um, I actually managed to play a game a couple of games here and there and uh, to be honest I came back to to it super hardcore in 2009 2000 yeah 2009 2010 because uh i had just decided that drinking was really destroying my life and i i got sober and i needed some something to sort of like keep my my hands busy so to speak <laughs> take the money yeah yeah so i got back into 40k like super hard uh back in 2010 and i pretty much have played it consistently uh ever since and by consistently like once or once or a week at least <laughs> that's pretty good yeah can i may I ask at what point you uh you in, expanded to encompass the initially dismissed warhammer fantasy uh, so I played Warhammer Fantasy briefly because back then the barrier to entry for fantasy is it required a lot more models. Yeah, it was than scary. 40k did really. Is that why the Total War games have like so many more pieces in the maps? Maybe <laughs> yeah. that's what it is. Because you know your standard unit of dudes would be like twenty or thirty models, and then like a standard unit of 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 you know something in 40k is like maybe ten models, and you can expand that, of course, but. Gosh, excuse me. You could expand that, of course, but you're like you would. Everything was in formations, like in blocks, in in fantasy battle. Yeah, and then you had all the rules to learn and the expansions. Uh, oh, the fantasy rules was... were cumbersome. <laughs> really? I'm sorry, old fantasy people. The game had to die for a reason. They wrote themselves <laughs> into a corner. It was rough. Story wise, yeah. they weren't selling models because everyone had all the models they want, and no one wanted to collect all of those models. And the rules were. Well, not terrible, but dense. Like a lot of rules. Concrete dense. Our buddy, uh, our buddy Wretched plays uh, Chaos Demons, and he says that one of the the things he likes about playing Chaos Demons is that he can use the same models for 40k and fantasy. Right. Yep. I'm, I can't believe Games Workshop has still allowed that. That seems like an oversight on their part. And there's there actually now with the Age of Sigmar, there's a lot of models in the Sigmar range that aren't usable in the 40k range. So I think kind of got wise at some point <laughs> oh but still demons like cross over and it's like wait you're allowed you have a whole faction that is a value army yeah yeah absolutely and i mean I, and i play i play demons so yeah so i know it well know it well <laughs> yeah i was about to ask do you have a favorite faction uh you know i like chaos sort of as a whole uh, nurgle obviously is like my my big 
My I, most I never favorite. would have guessed. You never would have. Mm. You never would have guessed <laughs> that. But yeah, Nurgle is like my my favorite across the board. But I've always liked the look of Chaos. But recently, uh, I've kind of been branching out, and I've pretty much played every army at some point just to collect it. And just like I get into something, I collect it, and I buy a bunch of it, and then I go, eh, this isn't really for me, and then I sell it off. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, okay, that makes more sense. Like I, I have a a hard time with the idea of collecting anything. I I am most interested in. Or, I love orcs. And yeah. Ulrich here has recently um, made uh, it made it known that he's getting me a uh, a Gazcool model, the new Gazcool mm-hmm. model, and yep. I'm like, "You bastard! That's gonna how am I gonna not collect an army now?" <laughs> yeah, Gazcool is really awesome. It's a really cool model. Yep. Yeah, I like I like Gazcool and I like Space Marines, probably specifically the Raven Guard. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. no, Raven Guard's awesome. They got really good rules too. So, <laughs> but think about that. <laughs> And I also play Space Marines now, too. And it, and it also goes back to, you know, when I was looking at the book when I was young and and, and they're basically saying, you know, do what, do what you want. You know, you create your own thing. You create your own sort of faction within that universe. So the Space Marines I collect now are my own chapter that I've created and that I've created the Eld- Heraldry for. And Ooh, uh, gosh, tell us about that. I'm, I'm super um, interested. So the the faction I the chapter I created is called the Ghost Wolves. And they are based on uh, Native Americans, the Plains Indians of the Americas. Mm-hmm. So, and that goes along with um, actually, we were talking about the Rainbow Warriors, which is, I kind of have a tangent on that one. The Rainbow Warriors sort of disappeared. There was no background given for them other than that page in the Rogue Trader book, and maybe like a paragraph, paragraph somewhere else, like in another codex. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, the fans kind of made a background for Rainbow Warriors that they were sort of like Aztec mayan sort of thing so uh, actually about three years ago a buddy of mine uh we're talking and i was kind of saying i was kind of lamenting the fact that there's no brown people in uh in space marines and like because you know we've got space vikings and we've got space uh romans and we've got space you know you know uh asian really good point i hadn't really thought of that so and everyone's like well you know the crimson fists they have a guy named pedro cantor and i'm like you know okay whatever fuck pedro cantor like one guy <laughs> cool no, there's Thanks. also uh sergeant cortez uh yeah they oh, okay the blood ravens chapter master has a gabriel angelenos or something like that. i don't remember yeah. so, so so if anything that's kind point of is maybe more all Italian. this is very like one character at times it's not the sure. same thing as well, having a whole this is chapter. all very much like you know we need to sort of diversify a little bit you know it's like it's the it's the year 2000 you know what i mean like so, yeah. like so only, we kind of i was just say like the only chapter that stands out to me is not being very very anglo looking is like the salamanders right yep. right <laughs> Oh, we're not going to touch the salamander white yeah, problem. Yeah, no, and I'm, even I'm, I'm yeah, just, I'm just—I wasn't saying anything about them. I'm just saying they're the only one I could think of, and that's anyway. Yeah, no, like see, but, 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 they're, but they're in yeah, but therein lies the rub. It's like okay, we got the salamanders, but they're not—you're not actually like African American. Their skin is like coal black, and they have glowing red eyes, right? So I actually put together a um, a group of people on Twitter, and we created like this whole army of rainbow warriors. Um, like everybody pitched in, bought units painted them to the same standard we got like a matching basis for everything and put it all together and basically i wanted to create this huge army of essentially mayan hispanic heritage space marines using the rainbow warriors and this was like three years ago three years ago four years ago now maybe and we gave it away to a um organization that promotes like uh people of color and gaming uh diversity they use it basically to kind of like start conversations at conventions about like 
you know, where diversity is in gaming. And it was just like this really huge project. And like we actually completed it. And I'm like super proud of that. And it's still the, the army. The army is still out there making its rounds to all these different conventions that the organization goes to. And they set it up and people kind of come by and they're like, oh, what's this all about? And they can talk about that. And it's really, really cool. That is That's really awesome. cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and no, I think I mean Rainbow Warriors. Yeah, when people are going like through an Aztec Space Marine army, where brains started going, oh, if you were like a converter, for, if you were like having the conversion, there's some potential there. Yeah, yeah, and that's the cool thing about like the hobby in general. General is that you can, I mean, you could do whatever you want. Like you know, we have this rule of like you kind of keep it. What you see is what you get, and you kind of make you know, the rule of cool. Like something can't be like super huge and and you're like oh but it represents this tiny guy like, so you can't see it behind a wall kind of thing you know like yeah, yeah, yeah. You, 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 you bring stick, you bring a mr potato head to be a gargant and it's gonna be <laughs> that sure. big it's gonna it's be that big right but but you can you could sort of play with the aesthetic of what you're doing and the space marines really lend themselves to that which is why i i, I had had this idea because i said well there's no native american space marines and and to me that's very important because you know that's my heritage and it's it's one of those things that's not really represented in a favorable favorable way in most media so i was like well i need to make like something and try not to be cheesy about it and try not to be like super cliche about it so i started by creating this yeah something respectful even so i started creating this like uh kill team and it came out really good and i was like well this kill team is really awesome i was like one day i'd like to make a whole army and then so the new Space Marine book comes out and I'm like, well, shit, they got so much cool stuff. I'm like, I need to do this. So like I just started collecting Space Marines and, you know, kind of adding like, like feathers here and eagles there and sort of a lot of the icons and things that come from like the Space Wolf uh, kits lend themselves perfectly to a Native American look. You know, you just get rid of these like runes and shit like that. And a lot of it is like straight up like Native American. It's like wolf pelts and, and teeth. And, uh, you know, like bones and things like that. So it's all just sort of ported over. And I was like, well, they're the ghost wolves now. Yeah. When you first started that army, I saw his pictures like that's a very bold color choice. I'm curious to see where he's going to go with this. And they've turned out amazing. Yeah. And, you know, that was just the fact of like, you know what? There's no brown space marines. Like you can do almost any color and it's been done or you look in like the extended like universe of 40K and they have all these different factions of space marines that have that are that exist in a novel or in a paragraph in a codex somewhere. And it's all sort of been covered as like there's no brown space marines anywhere. I'm doing brown space marines. Yeah, because I mean, it's widely accepted that the Crimson Fists are, are Hispanic marines, but that's only because there's not a lot of lore on them and they have two named characters both with you know hispanic names and it's like yeah close enough exactly exactly but they live on an agri world which i always thought was a bit problematic as, as <laughs> rin's world is an agri world and like oh why i gotta be why they gotta be doing the fucking yard work even in the future, bro? <laughs> why did you do that feels problematic <laughs> you know there's there's still a long way to go with like the hobby in general, like just from that aspect. And that's important to me, you know, because of being a person of color and having experienced the things I've experienced from being, you know, Hispanic man in, in America, especially in the last couple of years. Yeah. Like it's important to me that we sort of like do something that begins that conversation with people. And I'm not trying to like throw it in people's face like, oh, I've got a Native American Marine Army. You better not kill any of my dudes. You know, I'm not doing that. But I want people to look at it and say, oh, that's really cool. What's the inspiration for this? And I can speak about like my heritage in a proud way, in a way that I'm trying to represent that to other people and say, this is this is important to me because 
they were proud. They were warriors. You know, this is something that like totally makes sense in to me in the context of the game. I love that, that. That's the kind of thing that, as you're you're talking about it, you know, this is a very, as you just said, it's like it's a very passionate, personal thing, and it's coming from this very passionate, personal place. But it's also that the type of that is the type of activity that those are the kind of the, the more that happens, right? That's what moves a a community, a fandom, a uh, you know, a, a group towards that you know in that kind of progressive direction i don't know what the right word is here but like it's not (laughs) it's not like a you know a bludgeon it's just like hey do this thing that is meaningful to you people are gonna think it's cool then the more Mm -hmm. people do that that's we get diversity get people doing different things that are for their personal background and that's what's cool about it so yeah i don't know yeah 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 and and that's the appeal of it you can you can't you can do that in this universe because there's I mean, there's dudes with coal skin, black skin, and glowing red eyes. Who's to say they can't be a Native American bro running around in power armor, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm, no, this kind of, that's the number one thing I hate. People give me shit for like, oh, you play Space Marines? That's such a boring army. It's only as boring as you make it. Yeah. In all fairness, you play Ultramarines, which I like just fine, but there's a yeah. reason why people get uppity on you. Yeah, <laughs> people get uppity yeah, on me because it's fun to hate on Ultramarines. <laughs> I'm sorry, we're always going to have a Codex supplement. <laughs> Every time, yeah, always. And we're always going to have new models. We're not going to be but stuck I mean, with old you know, it's, models. It's the people that play Ultramarines are the same dudes that are like, um, what, what's that in, in uh, D&D? Like the lawful good kind of characters, you know what I lawful mean? Lawful like, good human fighter? <laughs> yeah, sure. It, it appeals It appeals to someone, and that, that's why it's popular. Like it's, it, it's universal. Like People are like, I want to be the, the best of the best, like the most good of the most good. Who is that? Oh, it's the Ultramarines. Cool. It's funny that uh, that's kind of why I, when I first started getting into Space Marines, I thought, well, obviously Space Wolves, because I'm big into Viking culture. And I do like yeah, a yeah, lot. Yeah. yeah, I do like a lot of Space Wolf stuff, but it's kind of the whole how very, very away from the rest of Space Marine culture they are that kind of turns me off of them, actually. Right. You know, so, I don't want to say they're heretical with some of their shit, but. <laughs> <laughs> hey, sorry, Inquisitor. He's right over there. <laughs> Yeah, no doubt. It's like they have dudes that are literally like werewolves that are like woofing out and shit, and they're just like, no, that's cool. That's fine. <laughs> it's, just, it's just Dave. That's just how it goes. So, you know what? It's legit. So as someone who's basically been in a uh, 40K for as long as you know it's been around, I actually I have a, a, a kind of a personal question for you, which sure. is just recent – Recently, uh, my buddy Wretched, the guy who plays Chaos, he was up and we were – he hasn't actually played for you know a few years, um, quite a few actually. But we were talking and I was – making this comment to him like man i'd love to read a story about like the necrons and the tyranids fighting because that's such a different kind of thing and he like lost his mind they went off of this whole like they would never fight for, <laughs> for these reasons uh because tyranids don't have souls and all the necron care about are getting souls and they'll stand in one place because they can see the future and they're like i'm gonna get this one soul at this point in time and so he's telling me all these things and he's been into it way longer than me so i'm like okay i that's not what i've read but I'll I'll take your word for it for now. And then yeah. I went and researched it, and I'm like, and I went back to him. And I said, well, okay, first of all, the thing you were talking about is just Chrono. I, I had to be that guy. I hate. Him. <laughs> oh. Well, you you will actually eat him. It's like I, I yeah I hated I hated doing it because he's he's my friend. And I, I know it's but I was like okay, it's Chronomancers and and I, dynasties. Necrons have dynasties, and he didn't know about this concept, which I guess oh. is like war. So when I told him there are Necron dynasties that actually will engage in diplomacy and trade with the Imperium, yeah. he like 
double face palmed. And so I, and, you know, he tells me about these kind of changes <laughs> to the to the source to the material really yeah. irritate him. Now brings us back to you. You got to experience all of that. Yeah. So yeah. Can you like touch on what I'm talking about? <laughs> and so I think you? you know, and the Necrons is a really good example of it because you want to talk about a boring faction. When the Necrons came out, there was like maybe four or five choices in that whole codex. Like you could be like uh, an elite Necron dude, a Necron warrior, one of the HQs, and then like a, a giant fucking pyramid that floats around. Right? There was like literally that many choices in the book. Like there was nothing. And their whole thing was they're basically unfeeling, un, unthinking robots that just want to kill everybody. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, so it might appeal to somebody, but like overall, it's kind of not that interesting, like in my opinion, for like a whole faction to just be like, yeah, we just kill stuff. We don't know why. You know, <laughs> like, you know it's like, oh, okay, that's pretty neat. Well, what's your army? Well, obviously, it's only, you know, these five choices so it, th- that's it you know there's not a lot of there's not a lot of variety there wasn't a lot of like the everybody that brought a necron list brought the exact same list because that's literally all you could take and then they brought in this like look that they were sort of like uh egyptian right and that was like oh fuck that's like kind of cool like i never cared about necrons before but whenever they rebooted necrons with that sort of like egyptian style and look i was like oh that's actually kind of neat that's really cool and then they like really expanded on like their personality and like what they were able to do and i was like okay okay i could get down with some necrons now you know so they they kind of did that same take with a lot of the factions that i feel were maybe getting a little bit stale or just kind of weren't really living up to their full potential as like an army yeah so they they, uh, any changes in particular stand out to you that like struck you as i mean you mentioned like the necrons become more egyptian like any other ones that uh, for any faction so the things that I really like is in the recent years, and this is like in the last like four or five years, you know, you always heard these stories of like the, the Primarchs and, and like how powerful they were and how amazing they were. And mm-hmm. and it's like, OK, cool. I guess we'll just fucking take your word for it. Like we never get to actually see them in battle. We never actually get to see them on the tabletop or anything like that. And then they start releasing like these giant like, you know, the Primarchs, like, of course, Bobby G's the first one that comes out and everybody's running him because he's, <laughs> he's like a fucking beat stick. Right. And he just he busts the cool. whole army. And, you know, I. I, I was yeah, I was hoping you'd actually quote unquote, cool. that. I was hoping you'd mention that because my my other Warhammer friends have very mixed feelings about that. Like I was trying to talk with with someone about this, and they were like, "Well, you know, before the primers were just this this thing, this story, but all the cool people were like just you know dudes, like Commissar Yarrick is just a guy who has a claw." Yeah, sure. Right. Sure. But now you bring the Primarch and it's like from the ground up, they're built to be this thing. And I and I response said to him, OK, you still have all those other guys like Yarrick and Eisenhorn and stuff. But having at least a couple of the Primarchs, like all the demon Primarchs are still around. Why can't the Imperium have a couple? Right. <laughs> but that's what that's what's cool about it is like, you know, we're we're we spent dude, we spent like 30 something years reading how badass these guys are. We're like, OK, well, that'd be neat if we could see them on the table. And then finally, someone at GW is like, you know, what? we should make models of these, <laughs> you know, like like they had some like giant revelation one day. And, you know, those <laughs> things sold like fucking hotcakes, right? Like whenever they came out, like it just like everyone was running Gullum and they're just like, oh, you got to have them. You got to have them. And there was people that just wanted him because what he represented and like what he was. And then there's people that were like, well, you got to have him in your list. And then he was in every fucking list. But just and they the, nerfed him. Yeah. You know, that happens. You get Which I'm fine because, you know, I. I'm okay. I, I was I was an Ultramarine player before Gilman came out. I was so excited. Like that was just going down to my local hobby shop and picking it up. Like oh, 
I read about this. I never yeah. thought this would happen. Right. Yeah. It feels good. Right. Like you were like, dude, there. And then when Mortarian came out, obviously I'm a death guard guy. So when he came out, I was like, no fucking way. They're making Mortarian. Like I was flipping my shit. Uh-huh. Like, say, well, it's I'm, a, I'm not a big, big yeah, I will say, well, I'm not a big Nurgle guy myself. Mortarian mm. is easily one of the coolest designs for any chaos uh, thing. He for is me. such a cool model. And like he just fuck he just destroys everything. Like anything yep. he he hits in combat, he just he beats it to shit. So I fought him like a couple a really... times. I don't like him. <laughs> Magnus <laughs> you know, is worse to fight because Magnus can teleport. But yeah, Magnus is slow creeping dread. But it's the fact that Mortarian's him. got like the scythe and the weird, like not feathery wing things yeah, going yeah, on. Yeah. No, you know, you look at these cool. You look at those models and like they're uh, they're a definite like sort of I don't want to say like a, a reward or like a payoff to those people that have sort of like understood and kind of like uh, digested all that lore over the years. But it really feels like a gift. Like when those things came out, you're like, oh, my God, that's like the most amazing model. Like, how can I not have that? Like if I'm I a look guy, at it like a know? beacon, that's how I look at it. Like, you know, if you're trying to show someone, it's like, oh, it's cool. Like, wait a second, you need to see this. Yeah. And you show yeah, them yeah. Magnus, or you show them, like, holy, or any of the other big, crazy beat sticks we're getting. Like, mm-hmm. you show them Gazgul, and you're just like, what's that? Oh, that's the biggest, baddest, you know. Well, right. Again, yeah, yeah, Ulrich, yeah, yeah. you're getting me Gazgul, and I'm, how can I not get an orc army now? Exactly. <laughs> army. They're so good right now, dude. They're really, they're oh, really good. Really? Yeah, they spent a lot of time. They they spent a lot of time not getting any love and just kind of like suffering well, from rules that were so randomized. I heard that, I, I heard that the orcs' <laughs> biggest problem was that they were like the one of the most melee centric classes, mm-hmm. and that a lot of the races could just mow them down before they could reach them. Absolutely. Then enter Gazkul, who supposedly gives your army the ability to just advance twice so that you can close distances way quicker. Yep. I don't know. That's just what he definitely, I heard. Yeah, he definitely helps with that. But overall, the orcs right now have so many extra special rules. They have like orc culture and things like that that allow them, you know, extra movement, extra attacks, extra rerolls. Teleporting. So, teleporting from one side. Yeah, teleporting from one side of like 30 boys, just teleporting from one side of the table to your opponent's back line. They every time I've said, uh, really every time I've said, I'm getting an orc army in front of my pal Wretched, he always goes, get a bucket of dice. Yep. Yeah. You're going to need <laughs> a bucket. Absolutely. And that's like the appeal too of the game is like rolling dice is way fun, but if you can roll like literally a hundred dice at a time, it's like, yeah, why why wouldn't you do that? <laughs> oh, I was also gonna say I, I love that with uh, with Gielman, right? I've been reading because I just get lost in the wikis sometimes. Yeah, and I thought yeah. it was I thought it was funny that we you know like, like you mentioned these Primarchs get built up for so long and they're these like figures of myth. Then Gielman shows up. And yes, the first thing he does is wreck face on the, the chaos army that is invading his, you know, his home. Right, but then then trying to get to Terra like three or four times, he basically loses and only has his life saved by other people helping him. And to me, what the <laughs> what those stories like uh, when he gets in the fight with Magnus, Magnus is going to kill him. And then suddenly the the null psychers show up that can nullify the silence. Oh, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So. And they're the only reason he can fight Magnus is because they're canceling out his powers. And I was reading that, and in my mind, I was, I was, what I was thinking was, I feel like Games Workshop is instilling this idea that while the the board model is strong, it is meant specifically to bolster units around it and to oh, absolutely. go forward together. And then they're yeah. enforcing that through lore. I thought that was really neat. Yeah. And he might get fucking murdered (laughs) 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 which if you ever kill one on the table it's like the best feel like every time i play mortarian 
everything shoots at him like because like from the first turn to the last turn like <laughs> people want to kill that model like it's That's just because like, he's got that death aura because he's just amazing right so like if you can take him out it's like yeah i killed a primark with a fucking last cannon you're like yeah whatever <laughs> you have to he's got that stupid death aura. like oh look at that you're within six inches how do you like them mortal wounds yep it's it's um you know it's it's just i think that's an indication of like how the game is sort of like growing because they're starting to like be more fearless with like the things they put on the table and maybe even like the rules themselves are just getting a kind of crazy and they try to balance it out and they give everybody the nerf bat every once in a while but the 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 size the, like the actual physical size of the models is just growing and growing and like it's just more exciting like when they bring out something that's just big and then the models themselves have gone from like these sort of weird kind of quasimodo looking bros to like <laughs> these super intricate like multi-piece kits that are like very fine detail and so the game is is expanded as as well but also the quality of the models and and the, the rules themselves have expanded so that in itself is just kind of like what keeps breathing new life into the into the game it's the same game sure at its base at its core but there's always something new like we were just talking about like the new releases and things like that like there's always something new that's coming out that's gonna like you might be kind of bored of the game or like, eh, whatever. And then they'll bring out one new model and you just go, oh, shit, I got to have that. And the <laughs> next thing you know, you, you want to play again, right? Like, that's that's how they do it. Now, they've been really good these last few years, and especially the specialist games. Like, I want to get into 40K, but I don't want to collect a bunch of models. Here's 30 specialist games we will fully support. Yeah. Here's a gateway drug. <laughs> <laughs> well, my, well, that's why my, my, my story with Gilliman just there is kind of my way of illustrating that I, I feel like Games Workshop, from my my little understanding, is is being very bold in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I heard that, you know, some like 10 years ago, they just were giving out their property to any video game company that wanted yeah. it. One so day. like some will be bad, but some will be good. <laughs> Everyone get a chance, you know? And, and being able to like use their lore as a because now there are people like i know auric is one i'm turning into one that are just lore fiends using that as like a way to enforce game mechanics rules and ways of getting you to into it is like brilliant i don't know it's just one of those things that's like i'm, I'm impressed the more of it i i, I see so oh, yeah. it's a it's a multi-pronged attack <laughs> like like what do you think about now we're going to be getting our first uh, our live action uh, warhammer property Oh man, I'm stoked for it, but you know, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic, like I am with most most things. That feels right. You know, like um, the Ultramarine movie that was came oh. out like what, like six, seven years ago. How, we did and, not you know, speak of that. Uh, it was a little <laughs> bit of a disaster, but you know, but it's still it's still badass. You know, like it's it's like eating shitty pizza. Like it's you know, <laughs> it's, it's still, still pretty good. Yeah, it's still good. Like you're still gonna eat it. I don't even know that metaphor. It's the sex and pizza argument. Even if it's not the best part of what it is, it's still that thing. It's still pretty good. Yeah, yeah. So, like, you know, I watched the hell out of that. Just some of it was, like, super, like, oh, that's so amazing. And then some of it, I'm like, did these people even read any of the lore about Space Marines? Like, who made this? So I heard that that was the same thing with the uh, the Space Marine game that was on, like, Xbox. was like, oh, if you're you're not a Warhammer guy, this is just a run-of-the-mill kind of dull action game. But if you're a Warhammer fan... You're playing as a space oh, marine. Yeah, yeah. You're fucking, you're just like stoked the whole time, just like this is the best thing ever. Like I played yep. that game, like it, like I beat it in like two days. It, it wasn't much of a game, but it no, was just so it, you felt intriguing. like a space marine. Yeah, that, absolutely. They got that part right. Absolutely. There's a yeah, reason yeah. the community loves that game. I need mean, they they need to make that uh the guy that's made a start. He's like I know you've probably seen that three parter. Oh, yeah. uh, oh, that's on the YouTube. Like 
Oh my god, they need to hire that dude because that uh-huh. is like probably the best depiction of space marines that's ever been put on any media. I I, I, I show that always to my friends who aren't like Warhammer. Be like, this is the only. This is the best way to to, to show you what Astartes is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, it it nails it. Like the the power of it and everything. It just totally it gets it right. Particularly for me, just that that one moment where the Astartes comes out of the the psychic like stasis and just immediately stabs like there's no yeah. hesitation no yep. comment just back to work <laughs> back to work <laughs> <laughs> all right last question we've got here for you this might be a toughie oh, okay. what does this what does your level 40k say about you uh wow what does it say about me i hope it says that i'm creative and that i i'm using the medium of games I'm trying to do more with games than just play the game, beat a guy, and, and make the best list. I mean, that's a totally valid way to play and to, to do your hobby, and I'm, I'm down with that. Like, it's not my style, but, like, there's people that really dig into the game, and they're tournament guys. They're guys that understand the, the nuances and intricacies of, like, any list or any army. That's not my thing. I'm trying to sort of promote, a like, a community and, like, the sort of value that gaming with people brings because you stand across the table for someone that is completely different than you, you're on common ground. You're on even footing from the start because you're following the same set of rules. You understand what the dice rolls mean. And now you're engaged in, in, in an interaction with someone that you might not know or someone that you might not have anything in common with. But then two, three hours later, you have a lot more in common. You've spoken with each other. You've had fun. You've you know, won some roles. You've lost some roles. You know, hopefully things have have been exciting and fun for both of you and it's created a dialogue. So to me, games is, is about creating a community and it's creating friendships and making us realize that we have a ton more in common than we do not in common. So if people see that about me, I'm super happy because that's the thing that I'm trying to do. Like if they see that I'm using games as a way to like bring people together, um, that's, that's really all I can ask for, dude. That's a perfect answer. I love it because it's very... There's an inclusivity in that answer that I think is integral to the the point of games in the first place. So yeah, yeah I adore that's, it. That's that's my whole thing, man. I just I just want people to play. Like I'm the guy that's like in the shop, and I don't work there per se, but I'm in the shop all the time. And if I see someone looking <laughs> at the 40k models, I'm like, oh hey, what you looking at? You know, like I, you know, I spark up that conversation and I start talking about the hobby, and I try to get them. I I try to be like that ambassador to the hobby. To make people realize that no, we're not all like these weird, uh, you know, dudes that hang out in the basement. I say, speaking from my basement, but <laughs> you know, where it's the community can be so much more. It can be so much larger. It can be so much more inclusive. It can be, it can be something that anybody can play and and not be ashamed to say, oh, I play Warhammer. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? That's what I want. You know, that's a big part of the reason why Orc and I love do. I mean. We didn't know you were going to do Warhammer for this particularly, but we do yeah. a lot of Warhammer videos yeah. uh, or uh, recordings, whatever you want to call it. And partly because, uh, like, we got one friend, uh, Chris, who had, like, a, a Horus Heresy figurine for years, and he yeah. didn't know what it was from. He just had one. Yeah. So yeah. and so then we started talking to him about it and, you know, doing recordings, just talking about it. And, and we had this moment where he was like, yeah, I always thought it was this kind of, like, I don't know what the word he used. Uh, <laughs> Not meathead, but this kind of like simple, you know, war thing. But yeah, actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like no, it's actually very complicated, and it's very diverse, and there's all these different kinds of things and aesthetics. And and we, we were reading, uh, we started reading the you know Black Library books, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. pointing out that like man, these these Space Marine characters are you know like actual you know three dimensional characters, not mm-hmm. just 
you know, soldiers and yeah, it's yeah. this thing that's easy to, I think, write off based on, you know, those preconceptions, but it's a lot, you know, deep, deeper than that. Right. Yeah. So. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and, and just like if you're from the outside looking in, just looking at like sort of the artwork that exists, like everything is so over the top and like completely excessive and bombastic that it's like you can't help but be like, oh, my God. OK, this is like this is uh, this it, it doesn't appeal to, to a lot of people because of like the, the aesthetic that's being put across. But like there's so many more layers to it, especially if like like you get into the lore and sort of understand it. But just the hobby itself, I mean, there's so much you can do with it. You can read about it and you can build the models and you can paint the models. You can play the game. You know, you can write your own lore. I mean, there's so much to it. As a as a related note, have you been part of a apocalypse game? Oh, man. Don't get me started. I love Apocalypse. <laughs> and, I'll, and I'll tell you something. I'm going to go on a quick tangent here. There's yeah, a new those s- pictures. So uh, There's a new set of Apocalypse rules, and I, I fucking hate them. I do not like the new Apocalypse yeah, rules because here's the deal, yeah. man. Whenever you play Apocalypse, it is like the ultimate like rite of passage for a Warhammer player. It's like walking over hot coals or like wandering the desert for three days with no fucking water it's like you go through the misery of it to say that you you did it and you come out the other side and you're like yeah we played this fucking twenty thousand point apocalypse game and it took two days and we finished it and everyone's gasps and whispers your name later on you know it's like it's like but now it's like hey play apocalypse in four hours or less and it's like why would i do that why would i bring out literally hundreds of models to play a game that's only going to last four hours you want that misery you want to like sit there and roll countless dice over and over again until it's the middle of the night and you're starving and dehydrated because you've been (laughs) in the basement the whole time like that's what apocalypse is to me because that's what i grew up with and and that's how we always played we played those new rules and we were just like fuck this (laughs) i I, I, I feel on board literally the pictures i've seen have no exaggeration like 600 models or something easy all including like huge ones and if i'm gonna take that's probably what an hour just to like set that up oh man and yeah that's like half the day setting that shit up on the table <laughs> i wanted to go for quite a long time then <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah exactly it's like the bang for the buck right if i'm doing all this work to pull everything out and put it on the table i gotta play this game for like at least like 20 hours you know got to <laughs> No, I'm not arguing with you. Like I said, the only thing I like about the new rule sets is mm. that your Titan doesn't die first turn without shooting anything. Right, and, and I'm I'm down with that too. I did that in that new phase. Only thing of the new rule set, I'm like, okay, that's an improvement. Only thing but I like. I don't like the movement trays. I don't like how expensive the movement trays are. Yeah, fuck, fuck you, Games tray. Workshop. That is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> we love you, but fuck you. <laughs> so someone's buying. It. Yeah, it's a real love hate relationship with Games Workshop. It very Workshop, much right? is. <laughs> All right. Well, I know for a fact that we could talk about this forever. So yeah, sure, we're going yeah. to move forward here. And it's at this point that we give you, you, our guest, the opportunity to plug whatever you want. Oh, plug whatever I want. Well, please go check out www.thelonelyhavocs.com. That's where I live on the internet. And you will find my podcast there called The Havoc Cast. And The Havoc Cast I've been doing for about a year and a half now. I think I'm up to episode 43, and what I do is I talk to different hobbyists throughout the world of 40K, role-playing games, whatever, and I just sort of ask them 20 strange questions about, you know, their hobby, how they got into it, also weird personal things about, you know, turning points in their life, uh, people that have been influential to them, and all these kind of things. So it always sort of, like, creates this, like, conversation that isn't always game-focused, but it's always interesting because I like to know what makes people tick. So that's what that's all about. 
Um, you can also find a lot of the, um, I write a lot of uh, missions and campaigns for my store uh, here in uh, the St. Louis area. So you can also find all the missions that I've written and all the campaign packets that I've written. And I will also be putting up, uh, I run tournaments and things. So all the tournament packets and things that I've also written uh, will be there. So if you're wanting to play some sort of different types of missions, because I always do wacky shit, um, check those out. They're a lot of fun, and you could find me at the Lonely Havocs on Twitter if you want to speak at me, or at uh, the Lonely Havoc No S on Instagram. All right, rock on! Yeah. Well, then, uh, and at this point, we do a thing here called uh, Suggestions of the Week, where we just suggest something to our listeners that we've been really into lately. It doesn't have to be related to anything we're talking about, yeah. but uh, just to kick us off with something that is related to what we're talking about, um, Ork and I just finished reading a book called Horus Rising by Dan Abnett, the first of the Horus Heresy book series, which is a Warhammer series, and it kind of illustrated to me something that Ulrich's thought for a long time, which is that it is a really good intro point. You don't have to know a lot about Warhammer at all, I think, to enjoy this book, and if anything we've been talking about interests you, if for some reason you clicked on this just to listen to us talk, not knowing Warhammer, but you found it interesting, this is a good a, a good way to really enter it, I think, is this book, Horus Rising by Dan Abnett. Read the book. Enter it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, Ulrich, you have a suggestion? As you all know, we've been trapped inside. Thing, a uh, good excuse to watch movies. And one of the movies we watched recently was uh, Knives Out. Mm. Holy hell, this is a really good movie. Not only is this really a want to really see good movie, I haven't yet. Oh, you need to. I heard it's good. Especially, well, it's really hard to do a good mystery. Mysteries are few and far between anymore. And this is a really well-written, well-shot, well-directed mystery movie. It's also pretty hilarious at points. I mean, come on, we're all trapped inside. You had nothing better to watch. And I, I heard, heard from this up-and-coming director called Ryan Johnson. I don't know if you guys have heard that. <laughs> I think he's going somewhere with this. Yeah. I've heard that uh, Chris Evans is totally playing off of your expectations of him as Captain America in it. Oh, Chris, everyone's having a nice. blast. Like, this is a star-studded cast, and everyone's just having a blast. No, I mean, Daniel Craig's putting on this really thick-as-molasses southern accent that is just <laughs> so hilarious to listen come out of him. All right. Uh, is there any, uh, any place you can find it currently? Uh, it's for rent on almost rent or stream on almost all of the major platforms. We've been watching a lot of stuff through YouTube rent, which I didn't realize you could rent movies through YouTube until we all became trapped inside. <laughs> all right. All right. Uh, Dan, do you have a suggestion for us? I absolutely have a suggestion. I suggest that you call your family and check in on them and see how they're doing. You know, if you're like me and you're, you're just texting everybody, that's kind of lame. Uh, just give them a call. Like, pick up a phone, hear somebody's voice, reassure them of the current situation, and just, you know, talk, man. Like, get that out there. Like, a little bit of connection uh, that's not a text or a funny meme being sent to your family is, is, is way better. So, call somebody. Ah, oh, man. Dan, Dan, he just stomped us with that really <laughs> heartfelt suggestion. <laughs> all topical and yeah you win you win that's, that's what i do man i can't help it you know but i'm just thinking myself i'm like i haven't called like my sister I, what, what the hell i don't even know what she's doing right now <laughs> all right man, well thank you for coming on and chatting with us absolutely dude i have a blast guys i appreciate it all right Ulrich, you want to take us into the outro yes thank you all for listening it means a lot to us 
uh, means more to us is if you like, share, subscribe, heart, follow, rate, review, whatever it is that the particular platform you're watching on asks you to do, because that is literally the life or death of podcasts like ours. Speaking of platforms, we're currently on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Podcast, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. So one of those is probably the one you're listening to us on. If not, I'm confused. Or probably confused too. Tell us what one you are listening to us on. Maybe it was we can get on there officially. <laughs> yeah, it's not one of those someone's pirating our feed, and I want to know who. Oh. Well, point is if there's an easier place that if we put our stuff on for you to listen to it, tell us what it is and we'll look into it. As always, this has been Lord Commander Ulrich. And his shield brother, Axel Wright. Be sure to tune in next time, and as always, stay honorable.